0: We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy, one conversation at a time.
1: Three, two, one, zero, ignition.
0: Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. Today we have Doug Hoy, CEO of the National Community Pharmacy Association, and we're excited about this year's conference, even though it's going to be virtual, and we're excited about talking to him and seeing we can learn about how to make independent pharmacy better. I'm Jeff Key, president of Pioneer X. And with me, I have.
2: Marsha Bivens, marketing director for Pioneer X. Welcome.
3: Mark Bivens, vice president of business development, chief coffee maker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I we, love get, it. we get We're some so use out of those. Super. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm serious. Why wouldn't I? I'm not on a you know, Pioneer sponsored podcast. I'd be like a fool not to wear this, right? <laughs> so. Kind of cumbersome with the earphones, but yeah. You want to start out the interview like this? A little tighter, yeah. Sure. Yeah, we'll do a close-up. We'll do
0: a a close-up. That'll be the picture that's in there by the podcast, right? Right. we say, duh. That'll
1: be the
3: thumbnail. That's the thumbnail right there.
0: Got it? Yep. No, No, I was telling them I was super, this has been, and I don't know why, and that's probably bad that I don't know why, I was like, this has been one of the ones I'm most excited about because every time I see you, you are so freaking busy, I don't think I've ever talked to you more than like five minutes on a one-on-one. So I've just been super excited about spending an hour getting to know you better and talk about what's going on. And
1: you know, and and Jeff, I, I mean, I, I guess this interview's mostly for me, but I think the same is true for you. I think the the one time that we kind of had a relaxed conversation like that was at dinner with Paul, and that's probably been four years ago. And I wasn't that relaxed, because it wasn't my first dinner with Paul. Okay. He was, like, he was like putting me through the trials. You know, he was testing me out, you know. Who is this kid from Washington, D.C. that's, or kid, this, this whatever, middle-aged guy from Washington, D.C. You were, this was at, uh, uh, this was at a dinner um, at uh, Morris Dixon's backyard yep. in Shreveport. Huh,
0: yeah, and I don't even remember that, but I guess it was- I uh... guess I
1: made a big impression on you.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the point—all those have been business, business, business. Like, yeah. like Marcia's son says, all business, business. So I'm hoping for today maybe a, a little business, but, but maybe some just getting to know you as 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 well.
1: So, okay. Well, I'm not that interesting. So I hope you you know I hope you've got some good graphic design artists. Uh, you know, maybe <laughs> put in that Neil that uh, journey background. I can't believe that's true. Yeah, so your know. dad was a independent pharmacist.
0: I'm picturing you running around the pharmacy, six, seven years old, in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> not
1: in uh, not a, not a suit. I was in probably some... Uh, I had a different superhero shirt for every day of the week. All right. And I would rotate those through. So, you know, a Batman shirt for Tuesday, a Superman shirt for Wednesday. Tell, tell me you had a cape. Uh, uh, I... I had a utility belt, <laughs> so my uncle was in the military, and I found like a little, uh, I think it was a ammunition holder about this big that I would put, it, it was the precursor to the fanny packs and man purses from the, <laughs> you know, but I was doing it in the 70s, and um, I'd keep in there a little, a prescription vial filled with water, just in case I ever, you know, <laughs> got parched, right. and a little pencil, and some paper, and my, brother, my older brothers were so embarrassed about my, my purse that they actually hid it from me, and, uh, because their, friend, their friends made fun of them for having a brother who carried around this utility belt <laughs> on, his, uh, on his big white 70s belt. Wow!
3: I just imagine like a little Doug around his big brothers, and they're just like, "Who is that?" Oh, that—that's my brother, Doug. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah.
1: No, they'd say, "He's my oldest brother." Would say, his friends would come up to him and say, "You're you're related to him, really?" (laughs) Right? Like, it doesn't same same genetic pool. It doesn't make sense.
0: So, did you hang around the pharmacy a lot? Were you in and out of the pharmacy? one of those kids, we
1: hanging out with her dad. So we lived in a little town and dad would drive, it's about a 30 minute drive every day to the pharmacy. And so it was a big treat when uh, I would, you know, either a school holiday or the summer, I'd get to go up and hang out at the pharmacy. And I'd um, hang out in one of the, one of the bins. And I'm sure I was a total pain in the rear to the other pharmacists trying to get their job done. But I'd, sprawl out there, and then walk around the pharmacy. I started working, working at the pharmacy, though, when I was 13, and so by that time, we'd moved closer, so it was only a few miles away, and I started, they had me running the register, which was a big mistake, Um, you know, we sold cigarettes back then. He eventually got rid of them, you know, a few years later, but in the early 80s, you know, most pharmacies still had cigarettes. So I do remember some, you know, customers getting pretty frustrated with me when they'd be like, "I, you know, I want some Marlboro 100s in a box. That's a lot of things for a non-smoker <laughs> to, to figure out. Right. So they've got to be the hundreds. Oh, light. Uh, Marlboro light 100s in a box. So I'm feeling pretty good. I find the hundreds. No, the light. Okay. found the light. No, in a box. And, um, Yeah, we're lucky we've probably had any customers at all with me, you know, frustrated. them like that.
0: What was the, I guess the register back then was just the, you push in the keys and pull
1: the handle kind of thing? No, it was a punch the number. It wasn't like a, you know, like the little house on the prairie ringing a, (laughs) pulling (laughs) Pulling a lever. Um, My second or third year out of pharmacy school, I went back and worked at the pharmacy. And about that time, we installed a point of sale system in the early early 90s, early mid 90s, which was not, not the cutting edge for all pharmacies, but it was, there weren't a whole lot of pharmacies, independent pharmacies that were putting in point of sale systems in the, in the early 90s. They, 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 a lot of people were starting to come in at that time. What was your, uh, what was your
3: journey leading up to and deciding to go to
1: pharmacy school? I declared as a pre-med major and thought, you know, pre-med prerequisites are the same as pre-pharmacy and kill two birds with one stone. I moved from journalism to that pre-med because even though I like to write, I I looked at what the salary was for journalists. And I also looked at the career path to get to be a syndicated columnist. You know, your chances of being an NFL quarterback are better than um, being a syndicated columnist. And um, so I went to pharmacy school, Thinking that, you know, I know a lot about pharmacy. I mean, I've been working in a pharmacy since I was 13. So through osmosis, I must be, you know, brilliant in pharmacy school. And, and I, I got my butt handed to me my first semester and found out that just because you work in a pharmacy doesn't mean you know jack about pharmacy. Right. But, uh, you know, I, I found out how much I loved it during pharmacy school. I mean, it's not that I didn't like it, but I found out probably that second or third year is when it all clicked for me, where I was putting together. I was putting together the job I was doing at the pharmacy, you know, uh, as a as a sales clerk, and then a technician. But just what I was able to do as a student pharmacist, it just it all started to come together, probably my second or third year of pharmacy school, and that, that love uh, for pharmacy uh, crescendoed quickly, really fast, because then all these people that had been coming in for a long time into the pharmacy, I could do something. I mean, I could help them. I, I had a way to actually affect their lives in small or large ways, and, and man, that was a narcotic for me. I mean, figuratively speaking, of course, but... Um, <laughs> You know, that was, that got me hooked. And, and to this day, you know, I still live vicariously through 20,000 plus pharmacies and, and the, the, the owners of those pharmacies.
2: So when you got out of pharmacy school, where you were actually the pharmacist in charge, what was your favorite, your day-to-day, what was your favorite piece of it?
1: My very favorite part was winning people over. So as a young pharmacist working with some more veteran pharmacists, they'd come in and they'd looked right through me, you know, to go to the person that they wanted to talk with. And that happened at my dad's store too, because he had five other pharmacists that they were used to seeing and they were used to seeing me in a certain way. Um, but at uh, this first pharmacy, when I could win those people over and win their trust and that that was a huge victory for me as a as a young pharmacist. So did you have to take the fanny pack off to do that, or did they? Yeah, it probably
3: requires no fanny pack to be taken off. <laughs> no, by seriously.
1: then this is early '90s. The fanny pack yeah, both. I was, I was a, in vogue. was You were there, product. right? So. <laughs> that's true. But I couldn't find it because my brothers had hidden it. Still, so. okay. <laughs> probably in the Smithsonian somewhere. Not because I wore it, but just because it was so. I mean, it was like a 1950s ammunition pack that this you know little fat kid. Because I was a very rotund young, young kid was wearing around. So I'm sure I was quite a sight. So, uh, tell us about the path then to NCPA. You know, I, 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 get that question from time to time and, and, um, it's very serendipitous. You know, it wasn't, I, I didn't, I don't have an association background. I didn't work in an office before I came to NCPA. I, I've always worked in, in pharmacies. And then I worked for, for my dad. And I, when my dad called me, my plan was to go live in Colorado for a couple of years. I was single. I was in my mid-20s then. And I just wanted, you know, to kind of have some time to, you know, go hiking in the mountains and, and work a little bit and sort of, you know, chill out for a year or two. But my dad said, look, you know, one of my key pharmacists just quit and this is the call from the bullpen. Uh, if you don't answer it now, <laughs> there won't be another call. So I uh, I took that call, and I, but I said, look, I'm, I'll come up and work for you for a couple of years or until you hire someone else. So that led me to, um, uh, he hired someone else uh, to, to fill the spot I had filled. And I answered, my dad paid for membership and all for all of his pharmacists for NARD at the time. And uh, so I was a member. And uh, there was an ad that came out for someone who is a pharmacist, MBA preferable, who liked to write. And I thought, I never thought I'd live on the East Coast, but that sounds kind of like me. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And so I came up, did the interview over Labor Day uh, I met Calvin Anthony for the first time. Uh, Calvin's from Oklahoma, as am I, but I'd never met him before. I, I knew of him, I mean, he's somewhat legendary in in, in Oklahoma, but I've uh, not met him before. And frankly, to my surprise, and I, I say that with all um, no, no false humility at all, I was shocked that they offered me the job. And I thought, okay, well, I don't know. I, I'll go up and live in Washington, D.C. I thought I'd be up here for a couple of years, and it's been 20 plus. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been a great journey. I mean, it's been a great ride. And, uh, you know, every day I hope that there's something that we're doing that's helping independent pharmacy, because that's the, that's the only reason we exist as an organization. That's what motivates me, it motivates our board, it gets us excited um, I don't know, but that's, it, it's not some epic. I always dreamed of being, uh, working in a pharmacy association all my life. It, it really never crossed my mind. And, and, uh, there's probably some folks from the very early days of me working here saying, well, it took the kid a while to acclimate, but I guess he finally, <laughs> I guess he finally, you know, finally got it maybe.
2: So 20 years in, yeah tell us about your team and the board
1: yeah th- I have a great team and and the team is as you know the team is what makes makes you i mean i'm I'm one person um, without a strong team you're only as strong as your team. I mean I know that's cliche, but it's it's absolutely true um, and and fortunately, they're able to kind of lift me up <laughs> uh, because they're they're a talented group um, you know, there's about 50 people at NCPA. So wow. I was talking to someone yesterday, and they said, "Wow, that's a huge number." You talk to other people, and they're like, "Whoa, only 50." Um, we're able to do a lot uh, with 50. We're probably kind of uh, we're not a in the trade association world. We're not considered we're considered more medium size, um, but we have a really strong team, and I'm always you know scouting for top. Uh, talent for people who have the passion and the ambition and they've got a, my most talented team players love independent pharmacy. You can't do this job, I mean, the money's, they they can find more higher paying jobs in the Washington DC area somewhere else. Um, We're not going to ever win someone over on, on salary. But most of the applicants we get believe in a mission, but they believe in a purpose it's not necessarily independent pharmacy is their mission and purpose, but we sell them on that pretty quickly into into their 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 time here um, the board you know i've got a really and I'm not just saying this because collectively they're my boss um if i didn't feel that way i'd I'd be in a pickle um because <laughs> uh but i I have a really good board, all of them are independent pharmacy owners I've always sworn. My, my very first week here that if I lose touch with what's going on with my members, it's time to do something else. That's a personal passion of mine. My board helps me make sure I don't lose touch. Um, you know, they're emailing me, calling me, texting me every day with what's going on and, and what's going on with them is going on with our members. They're experiencing you know, pharmacy DIRs, lately 340B, uh, crazy virtual audits with, you know, stacks and stacks of paper that they're having to to submit. I mean, they're a good group. They're a good group.
2: So 50 on MCPA. Uh, that means Lois is still there? She still hasn't retired?
1: Lois has retired. What?
2: She finally For did
1: it? For real. <laughs> For, real. For real this time. For real. For real. For real. Tell me your favorite Lois I mean, story.
2: So for those on our podcast that don't know, the last, what, six years, every time we saw Lois, it was, this is my last year. I'm, I'm, retiring. I'm retiring. I'm retiring. And, I mean, for six years, it was, this is my last year. I'm retiring. This time I'm retiring. This is
0: it. She just loved it so much she couldn't get away.
1: <laughs> and, and and Lois is, um, uh, I mean, don't want to get aged, you know, but, but she is... Um, she's she's in her seventies, going on her twenties right very much so she,
2: that I she would say that's a proper more, description of lois
1: She has so much energy and enthusiasm um My favorite story about lois i I should have thought of that- before you know one of them relates to how many times she's retired <laughs> i mean, so i've I've given three. Heartfelt, practically tear jerking uh, testimonials at her retirements, Um, probably increasingly less heartfelt with each passing one. So I'm like, (laughs) you're faking me out again, Lois. I mean, she just wants you to buy her dinner. Right.
2: Okay. So my last time seeing Lois, her kind of parting story to Jeff and I was she said that. Yeah, all new people that come in she loved to tell them it's her birthday so then she would tell them it's her birthday tomorrow so then they felt obligated to bring in a cake
1: <laughs> that is totally 100% true <laughs> and that is she she That's nabbed great. me with it um, I was actually out at a restaurant with her for her birthday and uh, and I said you know happy birthday we were at dinner or at lunch and um, it was probably October and then, like you said, Marsha, and then November rolls around and someone says, Yeah, I'm taking Lois to lunch for her birthday. Like, well, then I did that last month. No, her birthday's November. <laughs> and, then, and then we started talking amongst each other and all of us had been duped by. That's so
3: funny. Like, no one even knows her birthday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is actually in December. It is I was about to ask it, Does it, anybody know does when anybody her know actually... it really is? Right. Everybody's got a different yeah, date. Well, <laughs> We haven't checked her birth certificate, so I guess we probably need to do that. That's great.
2: Fun story for you. Uh, When I first started doing pharmacy, going to pharmacy conferences, I did a few state associations. I came back going, wow, you know, it's really interesting to get to meet new people. And then my first big one that was more than just a state association was NCPA in October, and it was in Nashville. I want to say it was like 2012, 2013. And... I remember coming out of each exhibit day, calling my husband, going, oh my God, you wouldn't believe how many people I've talked to. I'm, it's just so amazing. The interactions, the connections, you get to meet people and learn so much. The classes are just, I mean, just the energy. I came back with just like a whole nother, way more than a level 10.
0: Yeah, that was a time that that um, was traveling like 10 nights a month and and visiting things like NCPA, and NCPA was always the one that I always came back from there from talking to people, so energized to to do better at what I do and better at building software and trying to get this thing in. It, it's it's one of the things I've missed the last year is that that sh- that shot, that booster shot of, hey, this is valuable and these people are these are people are important and there's and and they're,
2: your monthly vaccine.
0: Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it, it's um, it's good now. I assume you guys have figured it out though. Y'all have figured out how to how to create something this year that's adding value. What would you say is the what's the
1: have-to takeaway this year from the conference? How to get paid. You know, getting paid. I mean, the the rough version is getting paid for stuff. And I've said to my team, smooth that out. Make that better than you know, my course, getting paid for stuff. But that's the the theme that's laced through virtually all of the programming that we have is either how to or how to get paid for different services or different activities or getting paid, You know, creating opportunities to get paid for different services. Because the questions that we get, the requests we get as an organization, the pathway always goes to payment i mean take take for instance the covid nineteen vaccines that is an enormous opportunity for community pharmacies to solve you know a nationwide to be a central figure in the solution to a nationwide crisis a new nationwide pandemic to just that by itself just the altruism from that is off the charts but we can't be altruistic without getting paid for the administration of those i mean uh the Payment for the administration of the immunizations. It's a lot of shuns. So, even though there's the higher level goal of stopping this pandemic, we still have to get paid for it. So, if there's a program about the vaccines, which I'm not sure if there is at this uh, because of, of how they've evolved on the timing, but it's how also do you get paid for administering the vaccines? So that's just an example that, you know, there may be a, a, a program that looks like higher level, but at the, at the end of the day, you've got to get paid for your services or you're not going to be in business to provide those services. And so that's, that's a recurrent theme throughout the programs is, you know, it's great to be offering the service, here's how you offer the service, and here's how you get paid. Because without that piece, you know, it's, the rest of it's not going to happen.
2: Tell us about the NCPA fellowship and working with CPSN. What is that like?
1: Yeah. Well, so the fellowship, just a little bit of um, explanation on that, just because if the viewers are like me, I needed a little bit more elaboration when the team came to me and said, hey, we're going to do fellowships. I'm like, I think I know what a fellowship is, so tell me more about this, uh, how you're going to do this. And the fellowships are... um, Think of them kind of like an executive MBA for a pharmacist, but but not, you know, solely rooted in in, in business concepts, um, although there'd be some of that. The uh, fellowships are for pharmacists. It doesn't have to be a newly minted pharmacist. It could be someone 10, 20, 30, 40 years um, uh, in practice, or it could be someone more recently graduated. And it's an in-depth uh, it's an in-depth uh, immersion into different uh, parts of pharmacy practice to help them evolve their practice. So, for example, there could be a session on on billing or partnering with physicians. And we're bringing in some of the you know sort of the who's who in uh, advanced pharmacy practice, people like. Uh, and uh, Amina yeah, I was about Abibaker, to say, Amina, that sounds uh, like
2: one of the things that she's doing in her pharmacy is partnering with
1: physicians. Yep, and I mean that's one of her one or two of her pharmacies have really done an amazing job partnering with physicians to to take over, for example, A1Cs. So the physicians were getting dinged on uh, A1Cs of their patients being too high, and bring in a pharmacist, and gosh, you're able to bring those A1Cs down. To, you know, from nine to six and a half seven, and uh, Amina came up with a way to partner with the physician, so it's good for them and good for, for her, and, of course, good for the patient. So that would be an example of one of the tracks in this fellowship would be Amina would come in and, you know, impart some of her wisdom, some of her knowledge and training. So then that pharmacist going through the fellowship takes that back to his or her pharmacy and can teach the other pharmacists. There's about 30 people going through the fellowships this year, it's a year long program. Um, there's a modest uh, tuition, uh, a lot less than, my oldest is about to go to college and it's a lot less than what colleges are charging for sure, um, a lot less. Uh, so it's our first year into it and we're excited about it. and. Um, uh, it, it also ties into CPESN. I mean, it, again, it helps to train some of the most advanced practitioners to bring services into your pharmacy and get paid for them. And that's, again, you, you know, changing the pharmacy payment model is a theme that we had for last year's convention, and it continues to this day as we've got to change that pharmacy payment model. Fellowships are one instrument to be able to do that.
3: You said that's a year long, and is that kind of... I guess, like teaching you on first who to approach, what services to provide, contracting for that kind of thing, how to bill those things, whether it's going to be through like the the medical plan or through their biller, if you've got a collaborative practice agreement, kind of that whole kind of encompassing. I know that's just one track, but kind of almost soup to nuts in a way of of this is how you kind of get from point A to point B and just teaching them over time of how to do it.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's from people who are doing it. Okay. So it's not theoretical or philosophical. Practical approach, gotcha. Here's how I'm doing (laughs) it, and so here's what's worked for me. And also, it's from people who can teach from the School of Hard Knocks, too, Mm. to say, you know, (laughs) here's how I learned the hard way. You know, you don't don't make the same mistakes I made. Is it a weekend program? Is it a full-time program? How does that... They have what are called dyads, which uh, will be... It's about... Uh, da, da, da. it's about uh, 20%, I think it's around eight hours, on average, it's about eight hours a week. And these dyads, I believe, are once a month. How many people applied? Do you pretty much take everybody who applied or? Yeah, we took people who applied. It's really, um, again, it's, it's a little bit like college in that if you're paying the tuition, which the tuition's $7,500, just, I mean, it's, so uh, if you're making that financial commitment, then the expectation is that you're motivated to, to, to want to learn it. It's not like they have a GPA or a grade or they're going to, you know, not get their diploma if they don't show up, but they'll lose out on their investment if they don't uh, show up. So they'll only hurt themselves if they're not really motivated to, to, to participate.
0: So one of our, uh, I guess, kind of our mission today is saving and revitalizing independent pharmacy, same as is, is you, yeah. Realize changing the payment model. We need to get paid for stuff, right? We need to get paid more for what we're doing. We need to get paid for stuff that other people are doing. What other things would you say if if you were talking to the the pharmacy world today? What stuff should they be doing? What, what specific? If you just had to tick off maybe four or five things that they should be doing,
1: what should they be doing? For those who who have not adopted adherence and medication synchronization as building blocks for their pharmacy, that would be job one. Um, We are finding, so other things uh, that pharmacies are doing that we think position them well, and we see it really, especially with the COVID vaccines, are are vaccines uh, immunizing. Our numbers show that about 75% of pharmacies do flu uh, vaccines. Which means that there's about 5,000 pharmacies that don't. Good news is 15,000 do. Bad news is 5,000 still don't. Uh, when we're talking to government officials about the COVID vaccine, they've been. There have been other. They've had other conversations with the big chains, CVS, Walgreens, and they're, the, these government officials. We're having to convince them otherwise. So they, they're, they want to use a CVS-Walgreens because it's easy, and CVS-Walgreens has said, hey, all of our pharmacies give immunizations. And so we're going back to those same officials saying, look, you've got 15,000 independents that give immunizations. Being able to give an immunization is a competitive advantage, especially in a, in a, in a COVID world. Um, not there yet, but coming are social determinants of health. The so social determinants of health, uh, independents are uniquely positioned to be able to uh, capture different attributes, different things in that patient's world that lead to better or worse health, often worse health. People are finding that those can make more of a difference in the patient's health than even things like, you know, eating properly or um, or, or, or exercise or that they're just as important as exercise or eating properly. And so the more advanced health plans, the more advanced health thinking is saying, we need to understand these social determinants and we need to capture those and then solve for those because until we solve for those, it doesn't matter how many tablets we throw at the patient, it doesn't matter how much money we spend on this patient, If these things in their life, their day-to-day life aren't solved for, the rest of it's not gonna matter. And so pharmacists can be, especially independent pharmacists can be instrumental in that. What we're still trying to figure out is how do you systemize that? How do you document for it? And how do you get paid for it? But because it's such a powerful, uh, uh, has such a powerful impact on the patient's health and the costs of health, there's a lot of work being done to, to figure that out. So I think that's that's some you know green field for pharmacists, for especially for independent pharmacists, as more as those things get figured out on how to capture the social determinants of health.
0: Yeah, talking about MedSync, uh, one of the story there, it, the NCPA was pushing MedSync before MedSync was cool. Um, yeah. You know, I I use that as an example to say, hey, if NCPA is talking about it, I need to be on it right now because it's going to be important. I think you guys have done a really good job of, of being cutting edge on what, as you should be, right? Cutting edge of what everybody should be doing. How do we get that other 25% or so of pharmacies to vaccinate? Uh, one of the things we're trying to do with, with our customers today is really try to get as many to vaccinate as possible. Uh, we've created a national guide that says for your state, what are the steps to go through to to become a vaccinator for those who want to do it and just, I don't have time today because I don't have time to figure it out. What else can we do?
1: How can we help? Well, I think getting the message out there um, is is important. Uh, for some, you know the COVID vaccine has is is controversial because for for myriad reasons. I mean, it's been very politicized. It's on you know warp speed. so there's a lot of people who say, I'm not going to roll up my sleeve and let you stick that in me, uh, this warp speed stuff. Um, you know, we can't even get people to fill out a census, let alone fill out uh, information on COVID. So COVID's uh, reaching out to pharmacies. Uh, I, I think those 5,000 different things will uh, resonate with them. For some, it will be this can be this can punch the virus in the in the stomach. You know, this can be a punch in the mouth to the virus. Do you want to help solve the country's pandemic? I mean, I think there's a, a patriotic um, uh, inclination that some may have. Others, we it needs to be a business opportunity. I mean, so part of Operation Warp Speed is to get 300 million doses into into American people. Well, we don't know what the administration fee will be. But if it's reasonable, there could be a business opportunity there. Um, A third could be from a competitive standpoint. I mentioned the big chains. The big chains are gonna be all over this. They're not, I shouldn't say going to be, they are already all over this. And so at some point there's gonna be some press release or some, you know, they're gonna be standing on the lawn with whomever the president is at the time and say, you know, thank you Larry Merlot, um, and all of us are going to gag. I mean, no, well, all of us are going to gag and say, well, there's CVS, and um, how come we're not invited? Well, we're, we're, we're trying to get on the party list right now, and we need people, uh, and we need people who are going to do the vaccinations. I think, Jeff, all of those things, that competitive spirit, the patriotism, the business opportunities, the positioning for the future, those are all reasons to, to, to do it.
0: One of the things we've seen is a, is a lot of our uh, current pharmacy owners are buying other pharmacies. They're opening up new pharmacies. Uh, one thing that people, people ask me, well, independent pharmacy, isn't that thing kind of going away? I was, hey, the people who get it, the people who are running the business and are writing the checks and looking at their books, they're opening up new pharmacies. They're buying pharmacies. So somebody's doing it right. So if you're not doing it right, you need to talk to one of those guys who is doing it right. And guess what? Hey, they're probably speaking at NCPA, right? Or they're doing a fellowship. Yeah. So it, it, it certainly can be done. We just have to motivate those guys. And part of what we're trying to do with this podcast is try to, try to find the guys who get it, try to introduce them to people who might not, who want to get it, and, and try to, to move the country along so we can save as much of that flock as, as we possibly can. And... Uh, Yeah, yeah,
1: you're exactly right, Jeff. I mean, there are, and that's, um, you know, Marcia, you asked me, uh, like, one of the best things about, you know, early on in my pharmacy career, and, you know, later on in my pharmacy career, one of the coolest or best things or things that excite me the most is, you know, Jeff, you talk about some folks who get it. When you're talking to some of these, you know, independent pharmacists who really get it and who are excited and see the business opportunities, yeah, they see the challenges, but that is so energizing to see them and the vision they have, and to be able to be just a, a small part of that the execution of that vision that they have, that's, that's, that's really um, a natural high for me, exciting for me these days. But, but Jeff, you're right. I mean, the folks who get it, uh, they can do, they are doing quite well and, and, and helping a lot of patients.
0: Is there anything that NCPA does to help people, I don't know if it's a leadership deal or one of the things that, that came as kind of an aha moment with, with our deal with Trip Logan was really a realization that if a pharmacy isn't in their community, they don't know the doctors, they don't know if they're not really networked in their community, they're probably not going to be successful. They've got to do that. And, and of course, in order to do that, they got to get the air to do that. But some of that takes some boldness. That, that some people don't necessarily have just because they decided on pharmacy as a career, and 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 just wondering, is there any kind of NCPA program that really teaches uh, kind of Dell Carnegie kind of how to how to introduce yourself to people and how to how to business how to how to business network and that kind of thing?
1: There's uh there are programs we have at the annual meeting that lead to that. Um, I know we had last year at a, a program in um, in San Diego with a um, sort of a business coach. I mean, he goes from business to business all throughout the country. And in fact, chambers of commerce of cities were sending people to this individual to learn how to network, to learn how to be able to um, put their brand out there and even think about themselves as a brand. You know, as an independent pharmacy, everything you're doing as an independent pharmacist, you're either, you're, you're building a brand, whether you know it or not. And so if you're consciously building a brand and putting your brand out there, that can be to your advantage versus having, you know, kind of sliding into it. But we'll have programs at the uh, annual meeting. Uh, You mentioned the fellowship program. That's another way. Uh, Some of the networking, even through CPSN, uh, certainly the luminaries who are part of CPSN uh, often have those traits, but even some of the networking that goes on through CPSN helps to build. Uh, some of that. And even from a written standpoint, in America's Pharmacist or some of the profiles that we'll do in in the NCPA Digest, uh, they also will model people who are getting out and getting out from behind the counter. I mean, that's, you know, finding a way to get out from behind the counter. So, uh, you know, it's a good question as far as like a formal uh, program, I don't know that we have one that, you, you know, it's a year-long Dale Carnegie kind of program, but certainly there are opportunities to learn that. Um, and it's really important for pharmacists, too, because, you know, depending on, you know, pharmacists are often very scientific, you know, very cerebral in their thinking. Um, you know, I'll take, I'll take my dad's generation, which, you know, he's, he's retired, but, I mean, it was, you know, his generation was you were taught not to speak you know, the, the doctor tells you when you can speak and it won't be often, so keep your mouth shut. Um, so, you know, we're, we're a couple generations away from that, but still imparting to pharmacists the how to get out and market yourselves is something that any chance a pharmacist has to do it, they should probably do it because it doesn't come naturally to, to, to most of us.
2: The NCPA Fellowship is this something that you're definitely going to do next year and what would be if 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 a student is looking to enroll what would what would they need to know
1: so I, I mean we didn't know how many people we would get when we launched this 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 summer i mean just a few months ago and um i i can tell you my team was very happy to report back to be 30 people we're we're really pleased with 30 people um so uh, if there's value, if these 30 folks are getting value from it, which I totally believe they will, uh, we're absolutely going to do it again.
2: Next year, shoot for 40?
1: Uh, or, or more. Or more, yep. Um, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Marsha. This is one that the team had to kind of sell me on a little bit. I mean, I, I wish I could say that I was pounding them to do it, but they came up with it, and um, they they had to sell me a little bit. And I couldn't be more pleased with it at, at the numbers that we got. Um, so uh, as far as what people should do um, in preparation for it, I believe we'll take the next class, probably starting in May, June, that time, sometime in the uh, late spring, early summer of 21, uh, to start in the uh, late summer, early fall of 21. And uh, we'll have more report backs as, as far as, what is this initial class? What are they doing? Um, you know, what are, what's been their experience? And I think that will help some people decide whether or not they want to do it themselves in, um, in 21, 22. But, but again, it's not just, uh, you know, it's, in fact, it's not pharmacy students, uh, it's pharmacists who want to learn more, want to dive deeper into their into their profession well i think we're we're running out of time i just want to
0: say thank you uh, and not just for being here with us today but just for everything you do and the the I, I i think the same way you probably could find a job where you made more money it's obvious to everybody that this is something that you're passionate about and i think and you talk about how amazing your team is but that stuff flows from the top and uh we see it and we appreciate it and uh it was, a, it was a true pleasure to get to talk to you today and and uh, look forward to what, to what we're going to do together.
1: Well, I appreciate that, Jeff. And and I do, I mean, I think Jeff and Marsha, I do remember the first time I met you. And that was, I mean, we had dinner with Paul that one time, Jeff. But then Jeff and Marsha, I remember, I mean, the first time we met was up in the fifth floor conference room, right? right? Yep, we came oh, to yeah. visit yeah. you guys. I don't know how many years ago. Yeah. I'm really pleased with how our relationship has you know, our friendship relationship has evolved over. I mean, it, not that it was ever bad at all. It never was. But um, to sit here for an hour and very comfortably talk with you guys um, is nice. I mean, it's, 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 it's good. I really appreciate the relationship and sincerely mean yeah. that.
0: Well, we look forward to getting to actually really see you in person <laughs> right. again at some point in the future. So if we all remember how to and, shake it. And, and to a great conference. Let's have a great conference this year.
1: hmm yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be really good. I think it'll be really good. Even better next year when we're in person in Charlotte. But uh, it, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. All right. Thanks, Great. Doug. Fanny, Fanny, Fanny Doug. thank Fanny you. Pack is in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's still hidden somewhere. Gonna... <laughs> Talk to my brother. All right. We'll see you, guys. Take care. Guys. Thanks.
2: Bye, Doug.
0: Yeah. Thank you for listening to this Catalyst podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and/or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow Pioneer on your preferred social media platform for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.